Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Forrest, our pre- and post-game live producer. The Flyers coming off what might have been the most thrilling win of the season for them, or at least for the fans. They go down 3-0 in the first four minutes against the rival Penguins, and they somehow come back and pull off a 4-3 win in regulation. Uh, those are season-defining type of wins sometimes. Uh, if anything, they are certainly confidence-boosting. Uh, the Flyers' first comeback win of the 2020-21 season. And they are now 20 games into this campaign, and the season is not going to slow down. If anything, it picks up. Taryn Hatcher, I want to ask you this. Is this a season-defining win for you, or do you want to see more? Um, I think – I think it can certainly be like a massive springboard of a game. Uh, it has the potential to do that, it's, especially because it's the first game where it felt like the Flyers really had to like dig deep in order to come back and then pulled it off. Um, I know we mentioned it probably a handful of times on the game, but it was the first time all season that after being down after two periods that they actually pulled off a third period win. It was something Claude Giroux acknowledged even before we mentioned it to him like in the interview, which means the players were well aware that they hadn't done that yet. Um, so that's big because that was the thing about this team last year that I think helped make them successful is they, they were never out of it, ever, like ever. You, they were always going to try to fight for at least a point out of the game. And oftentimes they did. And it was why I think for like 17 minutes, they were in the lead in the Metro at one point last year. They were the top team in the Metro for – like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. But um, I think that's important with this group because they haven't really, I think, been able to do that since before the pause. And to do it is big, to do it against the Penguins is big, and to do it against the Penguins team that really kind of kicked you in the teeth on Tuesday and kicked you in the teeth early again in that game, uh, to not just roll over and give up was huge, I think. And we know they have a back-to-back coming up now of, uh the final game of this road trip against the Penguins on Saturday afternoon. And then they're back home Sunday in front of their fans for the first time in just about a year. Uh, We'll have Phil Laws, the general manager of the Wells Fargo center on a little later in this uh, episode um, of of the podcast. Uh, He will talk all things fans returning, what fans need to know from even just getting into the parking lot to into the arena, to food, beverage, memorabilia stores, everything. Uh, so that is coming up with Phil Laws, the general manager of the Wells Fargo Center. But, Joe, yeah, for me, 
uh, that is definitely a confidence-boosting win. But uh, Scott Lawton emphasized uh, they have to build off of it. It's a, it's a great win, and it's a, a rah-rah win for sure, but you have to build off of it. Because to me, if they lose Saturday to the Penguins, they lost two of three in Pittsburgh, uh, and then they have a really tough game Sunday night against the Capitals. So it doesn't get easier. You really have to build off of it. Um, and then to me, a real season-defining stretch could be in April uh, when the month starts with five straight games against either the Islanders or the Bruins. They have a five-game stretch against those two teams. Uh, that could really be what we when we really figure out kind of who the Flyers are. But what did you make of this comeback win? What was your biggest takeaway? Well, if you think about um, turning points in seasons – Remember um, last year when the Flyers had that dreadful uh, trip around the holidays um, and then they came back and things started to go from go up from there. And then down the line, everybody pointed back to that road trip and said, that was when it changed. Remember that we were awful. We were rock bottom. It was this, it was that. I think now, there, there's nothing drastic that happened in this flyer season from a negative perspective that you could point to, but I think last night can be, serve as one of the ingredients of a turning point such as that. And you had everybody last night kind of to a man that spoke said that this could be one of those, basically one of those ingredients. It can't be by itself. There has to be more to it because if, you know, you get that win last night and you come and lose both games this weekend, then really what does that win last night matter? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a building block like Taryn said. And I think that that is when the Flyers had that turnaround after the dreadful holiday trip, everybody said it was the veterans that they leaned on. And if you look at last night, who was on the score sheet, Giroux, Couturier, these are the veterans, Scott Lawton, guys that have been there. They've been through seasons. They've been through adversity. And those guys kind of took it. Now, Obey Bell was great last night. The two assists were awesome. But if you look at the goal scorers, they were the veterans. And I think veterans lead to turning points. And I think the Flyers got a little bit of that last night. So, I, like I said, I think it's an ingredient to a, a turning point. Yeah, we heard Elaine Yo mention uh, in the playoffs last year, big boy pants. He was talking about when the Flyers went down 3-1 to the Islanders. He was looking at some of the players that were going to wear the big boy pants, step up uh, in big boy moments. Um, I thought that was a big boy win Thursday. Uh, when you fall down like that, they could have easily packed it in, uh, but they didn't. And now they have a win uh, in regulation where Pittsburgh does not get any points to show for it. And uh, suddenly they're 12-5-3 and three and – it's their best 20-game starts, uh, matching their best 20-game starts since 2005-06. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Taryn Hatcher in her Snuggie. I want to ask you. It's um, a sweatshirt. Oh, sweatshirt. Yeah. For those of you listening, I have a fuzzy sweatshirt. Because it's cold. Because it was like 60 degrees yesterday, and now it's 30 degrees. Welcome to March. Year is flying by. Yes. This is what we deal with. <laughs> I was prepared for a different type of day, and now I'm cold. So take that jab, Jordan. Oh, my gosh. Now I think it's falling all over the place. Taryn's, Taryn's in her Snuggie slash sweatshirt, and she's in everything's fine. But, Taryn, I want to ask you something you were also not prepared for. 
and none of us were, was Joel Farabee being out of the lineup. We learned that right around 5 p.m. Eastern time, he goes on the COVID protocol list. No one saw that coming. You see Joe and I laughing right now. Do you know, do you know the anxiety we endured yesterday? When sure. the, okay, I would love to know what the thought process was and who decided that the COVID lists get posted like an hour before every traditional pregame show starts because it took our pregame show on Thursday and just we might as well have taken all the scripts and put them in a ball and thrown them in the trash because like I mean and and part of that was Joel was so good on Tuesday and was responsible for both the Flyers goals and that line I mean you know it was nice to see Claude Drew get involved in that that new look line involved but because Tuesday was just the Joel Farabee, Sean Couturier, James Van Riemsdyk show, and everybody else kind of looked a little lifeless. So, yeah, it was it was a curveball. Sorry, I cut off your question because me and no. Joe at the same time just had that, like, just that grin where you smile to hide the pain. Yeah, I know they, they released the list between, like, 5 and 5.30 Eastern time um, – every day and I think that's because they they want to give teams until 5 p.m. to submit basically I guess their COVID list uh and make sure everyone's on it or not on it whatever it may be um but yeah it's just it's not a great timing before you know two hours before most games uh just a weird timing but certainly through a COVID brawl for everyone I'm sure Joel Farabee himself Elaine Vigneault said Farabee was on the ice uh, for morning skate Thursday for about a second, and then, boom, he got taken off because uh, the Flyers got word that he was headed to COVID protocol. We will have to see think, how long he's – Do you think that's what he was talking about when he said moving pieces and that – I mean, obviously, yeah. it had to be what he was talking about. I, I would love to know what that lineup would have looked like before Joel was out of it. Yeah, I, don't I, I would have a feeling he had moving pieces anyway, but that obviously just monkey wrenching it all. Yeah, I had a weird feeling when he said we had moving pieces and game time decisions. Like, that was odd to me. He almost always has his lineup figured out by, by the morning. Uh, and the fact that he was not able to disclose it, I was thinking either he's going full gamesmanship mode and not saying who's in his lineup, which he typically doesn't do during the regular season. Or, yeah, he was throwing a serious curveball at morning skate, which he was. Taryn, I want to ask you and I want to – and then toss it to Joe. When Joel Farabee does return, the Flyers will have a decision at four. Who comes out? Uh, who is the odd man out for you right now when Joel Farabee is ready to come back? Oh, that's tough. Um, um, if it was before yesterday's game, I probably would have said I would maybe take Patty out. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I would have thought about taking Patty out. Um. I'm I'm glad the winger experiment seems like it might be coming to an end or be have, has come to an end. Um, but I did think he looked more engaged last night, and if they want to get him going, I, I would hesitate from pulling him. Maybe if the physicality is what gets him going, even if Mark Friedman isn't available for Saturday's game, um, then let that be the spark for him. Uh so I guess you're looking – I wouldn't take – obviously I wouldn't take Nick out because you want to keep that Drew line together, I would think, the way they played. So maybe like Bonneman? Yeah. 
I, I, I would say, I, I, you know, we, we've heard Elaine Vigneault, and he always seems to point out Funiman and yeah. how he likes, he likes how he plays and things like that. I mean, you know, there are certain guys we know aren't going to come out of the lineup. Kevin Hayes has not really been visible for yeah. a, a good bit now, but we know he's not coming out of the lineup. So I think it's going to be one of those guys you just mentioned, Taryn, because, you know, these are your bottom the, the guys in your bottom six. And those are the guys, you know, that um, are the candidates to come out of the lineup. Um, you know, if it were me, I, I, I think I would still, I, I think I would sit Patrick, um, you know, I don't know what – Patrick's a hard guy to get a read on when it comes to uh, confidence and sort of what that Anything. means. To, <laughs> right. And, like, we, we don't – like, Shane Gossespierre, we know confidence is, like, his whole game. For Nolan Patrick, I think he's a hard guy to get a read on, like, what makes him tick. So I don't know that sitting him out a game is going to send him into, like, some spiral – where we kind of feel like that is the case with a guy like Shane. So, but I don't know that these other guys, I mean, you know, Travis Konechny's working his way back in. So he's going to stay in the lineup, even though it, it seemed very clear that Elaine Vigneault was not happy with his game the other night in the five, two loss, but also AV took blame for that. He said, that's on me. I put him out there without a full practice. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he's a candidate to come out, um, but it's going to end up being from that collection of uh, Bunneman, Obey Kubel. Um, it, it's it's going to be somebody around there, and unless you're going to go short of defensemen, and I don't think they're going to do that. It would be really interesting if they did sit Patrick because it seems and and you know Jordan Joe well I know Joe's point on this because we talked about it a bit last night but Jordan you can kind of uh course correct me if you think I'm off here but it it feels like and I know Elaine Vino preaches the patient you have to have the patience with Oscar and with Nolan and the thing that's really benefited Oscar and we saw it when he was playing really well before he received treatment for Ewing sarcoma is Oscar is just like vision on the ice is insane he's had a few insane passes that are just like this is vintage Oscar and he's going to do these things and he was a big part of a few Claude Drew goals and um, how about his play to lift the stick last night his, yeah. his lift the stick the goal doesn't happen without that play the hockey Perfect IQ example. the hockey IQ on Oscar just seems like it gives him that edge even if parts of his game still have to come along um but it's my, – my point was it seems like this team has, even in the past when Patty hasn't gotten going, has this, this commitment, this, like, very almost severe commitment to trying to get Nolan Patrick going nearly to a fault at times. And it does make me wonder, when do you pull the trigger and go, you know what, we, we're, we are being patient with you, but for, for right now – Points are points, and they're at a premium, and, and we got to do what we got to do to get points. Well, certainly the Flyers will have some de decisions when Joel Farabee is uh, activated off the COVID protocol list. We don't know when that will be, but it could come down to Nolan Patrick and Connor Bunneman. Regardless, uh, we, will, we shall see, and these are good decisions to have for the Flyers. Uh, and it's a busy weekend ahead. As we know, Saturday against the Penguins wraps up the road trip, and then Sunday fans are back in the Wells Fargo Center 
to watch their Flyers play the Capitals and to give fans some insight on everything they need to know as they're coming back to the arena, all the safety protocols, um, measures, everything. We had Phil Laws on the podcast, the general manager of the Wells Fargo Center. He had all the answers for you. Let's get right into that interview. Fans, we hope you enjoy. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We have the pleasure of being joined by Wells Fargo Center General Manager Phil Laws, who is going to give us all the insight on how the arena will safely be welcoming back fans starting Sunday night when the Flyers play the Capitals. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jordan. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Phil, I know Sunday's game uh, will be just shy of a year since the arena last held fans uh, for a sporting event. Just how much work has gone into this process, and really, when did the planning all start? Sure. The planning for a turn, and, and it's, it's unbelievable, first of all, just take a moment and, and, and think about a year since we've been in the arena. It is, it is hard to imagine. Um, I remember walking out uh, the day after that last Sixers game and, and kind of flippantly telling people, hey, I'll, I'll see you in April, and, uh, and thinking that was a long time. You know, like, uh, you know to, to know that a year has gone by is, is just unbelievable. Um, and the planning really started right away. You know, we, we, we never really stopped the planning. We always had this, this uh, idea that we're, listen, we're going to get back in the building. Uh, we're going to start planning first for how we get employees back in. And we're going to, you know, then focus on how the teams are going to return. Uh, and, and then finally, how the fans are going to get back in. Uh, along the way in that year, we made lots of wrong turns, uh, just like everybody did, right? You know, we, we kind of learned along with uh, the country, along with the health officials, of what was working, what wasn't working. Um, lots of plans got torn up, thrown in the trash, rewritten, revised, uh, vetted again. Um, it was really in the last, I would say, four months that in earnest, we really started to focus on the fan journey uh, and what that all means. A lot of the technology we had been thinking about, uh, but really put it into action. The last four months is when it really started to sh- take shape into what it is today. Okay. And, and I know... Uh... The, the big renovation, uh, $11 million renovation of the HVAC system was huge in this whole process. Um, it has all the air and the seating. Then the lower seating bowl of the arena replaced every 30 minutes. Um, how important was that renovation toward getting fans back in the building and, and doing it safely? It, it's a key part of our strategy. I would love to tell you that we had this foresight a couple of years ago when we started the project that, that it was going to be this valuable to us. Um, I don't have that kind of a crystal ball. You know, we started the HVAC renovation as part of Project Transformation, which is our, our multi-year renovation of the arena. And we really did it primarily because the, the needs of the two teams, um, particularly when you get into the playoffs and you start playing in May and, and June, are pretty demanding, right? You know, hockey's at 58 degrees and, and about 40% humidity. Basketball's the other direction, right? You, you're 70 degrees and about the same humidity level, but a much different sort of dew point situation. So we put it in for all those reasons. You know, we did it so that our teams um, can play deep in the summer and uh, and have the right kind of conditions. 
it also had this wonderful benefit of us being able to bring in 100% outside air and treat it and make it the right temperatures and the right humidities so that we're able to refresh the bowl uh, for this health and safety initiative. And, and as you said, we can do it in under 30, 30 minutes. So uh, just a great side benefit. I'd love to say we planned it that way. Uh, we were really fortunate on, on the timing of when we took that project on and, and uh, how serious we took it. That's great. That's fascinating too. Um, I know uh, before fans arrive, Phil, there's a guest health screening process. Can you kind of explain to us uh, w what that is? Sure, sure. I'll kind of walk you through from, from arrival uh, in, into your seat. Okay. Um, as you, you know, you come into the arena, you know, or into the parking lot, even one, a couple of things are going to be different. One, your ticket's going to give you a door location where you're entering. Um, you know, a lot of fans like to have their favorite parking spot that's maybe close to the exit, get out of here quick. Uh, we're going to direct you a little bit more. Um, your, your door location will correspond to a parking location that, that then gets you close to your seat. Um, as you exit the vehicle, that's when the mask has to come on. So masks are required uh, at all times when you're around the facility, and, and that includes the parking lot area. So your mask on, you're walking up to the, to the arena, you will be greeted with a health perimeter. And at that perimeter, they're gonna make sure you've got the mask, make sure you've got the right kind of mask. Uh, both leagues uh, have, have mandated that gaiters and bandanas, things like that aren't gonna work. You need a, you know, the, the paper surgical mask or, or double ply or better cloth mask. That's, which, that's what we want you to have in. So we're gonna check that out. If you don't have it, we're gonna provide it. Um, we're also gonna ask some questions at that point too, before you get any closer to the arena. Are you having any symptoms? Have you been in close contact with anyone that's, um, that's tested positive for COVID-19? A lot of the things that we're, we're kind of used to and now going out in the public, right? Making sure that we're healthy. Um, from that point, the journey isn't dissimilar to what you're used to. For you pr proceed from the health perimeter to the security check, you'll go through magnetometers uh, as usual. One thing that's different for both leagues this year is bags are not allowed. Um, there are exceptions, of course, for diaper bags or maybe a medical bag, an insulin kit, um, and a very small, called a, a ladies' clutch. I haven't used ladies' clutch as much uh, ever in my life as I have in the last few weeks, but those <laughs> bags are, are permissible. Uh, they will be x-rayed, so we've got x-ray machines now at each of the doors. Um, from there inside, you'll be greeted with a lot of, again, a lot of the things we're used to. The signage will tell you to stay you know, socially distant. So there'll be lots and lots of floor markings uh, saying, hey, this is where you stand, where you're in line for the concession stand. And, and I'm happy to report the concession stands will be open. You know, there will be beer sold here uh, for the first time of year, which is a wonderful thing, I think, for our fans. Uh, we'll have our, a great uh, selection of food available. Now that food and beverage, well, you can't uh, kind of hang out in a lot of our space. We've got great bars, restaurants all over the building. Those are closed, unfortunately, right now. So we, the one place that you're allowed to take your mask off and enjoy that food and beverage is in your ticketed seat. So you've got to get in your ticketed seat and actively eating and drinking to remove that mask. And, and that means uh, realistically taking it off, taking a sip and putting the mask back on. Um, right. we've, we've made a lot of promises on the uh, health and safety front to uh, you know everyone at the state, the city. We're taking it very seriously. We're, we're gonna be very strict in enforcing it. Um, I would you know make this plea uh, to everyone that, that watches that this is the thing that you can all help us with. It's not a lot of fun to wear a mask. It's certainly less fun to, uh, to chase people and tell them to put on masks, uh, yeah. if you can imagine. Um, so if we can all kind of look at this as being it together and help, help ourselves, help our staff to uh, just keep those masks on when you're in the building. Absolutely. I was talking to a Flyers fan who was actually up in Pittsburgh for one of the games recently, 
and he mentioned how the concourse didn't have uh, any of the bar tops, ledges open. It was all, you know, everyone has to go to their seat. And I know how important it is to obviously if you're going to enjoy beverage or, or food that, yeah, t- take down the mask, but put it back up and, and make sure everyone's safe around you. So, uh, so that's great. And I'm glad you brought up the parking lot, Phil, because I think fans are very eager to know when the lots will be open and when will the gates uh, be open? Uh, is, are there any changes that were compared to uh, times in the past? Yeah, there are. So the lots will be open an hour before the game. So, so you can see that that really shortens all the windows, right? That's where the doors are open with the, with the parking lot. So you can come in, you enter right at that point. But we did shorten the window. Uh, tailgating is not allowed yet. Um, you know, listen, we'll, we'll get there. Um, we're going to get, you know, more and more things back on the table. But right now, no tailgating. Um, the weather's still a bit cold. So yeah. the, uh, the, uh, I, the attraction's not quite there yet to even start. Um, but an hour before is when the, when the parking lots will, will open. At that point, you can come into the arena and, and, uh, and get, get situated. So should be enough with the lower crowd. We're talking about 3,100 fans-ish, um, 15% of capacity. So lines will be short. Gates will be quick. Um, it should be a very convenient sort of entry process to the extent we can with the protocols in place, of course. That's great. And I was just going to ask about the 3,100 fans uh, per game. Uh, I know they will be in seating pods. How will that look in terms of uh, safely separating fans when they're within the stands? Sure. So the seating pods are, are, are pods of two and four seats. That's kind of the variety out in the, in the general bowl. Uh, the luxury boxes are, we're allowed to go up to six. Um, all of this is for a common household, right? So folks that have been together during the pandemic um, and all these pods and, and all the suite seating, everything is six feet distance. So um, you saw the games in Pittsburgh, you get a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like. These pods are twos and fours. If you were to take a tape measure and a radius around them in any direction, you're not going to hit another person until you get outside of that radius. Uh, which, you know, in itself lim- limits the capacity, right? It, it starts to uh, shrink your bowl uh, down to a number. 15% is a pretty comfortable number to get the distancing uh, right in an arena like ours. And then, uh, so my second to last question was, I-, I think a lot of fans are eager to know, uh, will the memorabilia shops and team stores be open in this process? They will. Uh, we'll have our, our team stores open. We'll have our... Um, I call them the belly up stands, the walk up uh, booths that you can buy hats and shirts and some of the smaller items. All that'll be open. The retail stores will be operating under the same type of guidance that any store operates under. So there's a, a limit of number of people per thousand square feet. So it'll be controlled. Um, we'll have somebody at the door that says, hey, can you you know hold on a second? Uh, let a few more people come out. Uh, hopefully we'll be you know lots of uh, buyers in there. We've got lots of good jerseys and reverse retros and all sorts of new stuff this year. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have somebody there just to keep it, monitor the traffic in and out of the store, but they will be open, uh, with a great selection of items. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a feeling those reverse structures are uh, pretty popular right now. So I have a feeling, uh, fans will be flocking to those stands for sure. And then my final question, Phil, was just overall, uh, for you, how excited are you for Sunday? I, I, I have a feeling this must feel sort of like your Super Bowl. And I, yeah. and I really know how important it is for economical reasons as well, in terms of welcoming back employees and, and getting things going again. Yeah, I, you know, listen, obviously, from the business side, that's that's a whole thing that we've been working toward. It's very important to get people back in. That, that is what we do. Um, but, you know, this is a, this is a real symbol, right? The, the pandemic started in a lot of ways when NBA players were pulled off the courts on, on March 11th. You know, for the country, 
that was kind of the when it unofficially started or, or even officially, you know, the, the shutdown kind of began. And uh, getting people back in these buildings is a potent symbol that we're in the right direction. We're heading in the right direction. Uh, we're coming out of this. Uh, I told my staff this week as, as we were meeting early on and, and last week that they're always going to remember this week, um, no matter what they do in sports and entertainment. This week will always stay with them because this is sort of our time um, to prove that we are ready and that we're able to do this safely. Uh, and we are we're confident. We're confident that we're in the right spot. And um, it'll be one of those weeks that's going to stand out. I don't think we'll ever forget the reopening after the pandemic. I, I just can't imagine it'll ever fade in memory. It's so true. It will be something we remember forever. And uh, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are and how crazy this weekend, I'm sure. Uh, not crazy, but busy this weekend will be for you. So just thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I know fans really appreciate all the insight. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Well, Taryn and Joe, we heard from Phil Laws. Everything fans need to know for uh, the Wells Fargo Center as they come back and watch their Flyers. It should be fun. 3,100 fans will be back in the building for home games um, we haven't seen that in close to a year, just about. Uh, it will be nice to see, and we hope everything is done safely as we know it should be. Uh, and heck, uh, speaking of hockey and what it means for the team on the ice, it could be pretty important for the Flyers as well. We know how good they are at home. Um, under Elaine Vigneault, uh, in the Elaine Vigneault era, the Flyers are 31-8-6 at home with a 756 points percentage that points percentage is second best in the NHL over that span. I think fans have been a big reason for that. Taryn, what do you think? Well, heck, Jordan, I sure do think so. Um, I mean, it's weird. It's weird in there. Like, I I'll be interested to see what that many fans is like because I, from what I read from Penguins players, and I'm I'm sure some of them are saying, you know, the right things because that's what coached up veteran hockey players do when they talk to the media. Um, they said, you know, it felt like even having just that limited number of fans in there felt like having a packed house because they've been playing in such quiet arenas for so long. And I've talked about this before, um, even with uh, all the pumped in crowd noise and it's like super loud pumped in crowd noise, it still feels synthetic it's like the way synthetic sweetener doesn't taste like sugar it, it you can just it doesn't feel it feels like you're working in a simulation or something so I think to have actual people back in there will will be a very very different vibe um and uh yeah I'm, I'm just I'm curious to see what that number of people seems like because I from what I've heard from the Penguins players that have talked about at PPG Paints Arena um it didn't feel like 
indifferent. Like there's, oh, there's only this many people at the game. It's, you know, you think of like a Marlins or yeah, like a, like a Miami um, Marlins game, like where no one shows up to the games and it's just indifferent and sad. Uh, you don't want that feeling, but I would imagine that's not at all how it's going to feel, especially given, you know, you've only played in front of MD arenas or not at all since March 10th of last year. I'm sure it'll be a welcome, a welcome sight indeed. Yeah, I think any fans, you're going to feel something. Um, I, I think the Flyers will get energy from 3,100. I know it's not 19,000, but I think 3,100 will give the Flyers something. Um, I think even in Pittsburgh, you kind of sensed it when the Flyers fell down 3 nothing in those first four minutes. You could feel the crowd a little bit, even from home, and even the reactions of the Flyers. There was frustration because I think the crowd had something to do with it. It almost felt like the – the building and the game was falling on top of the flyers. And I think that was a lot of that was the fans. You could sense the fans energy for the penguins jumping on the flyers. And there was frustration seeping in for the flyers because a lot of it was a uh, fans cheering on their team off to a really loud start. Joe, do you think 3,100 fans can make a, can make a difference in a playoff push? Uh, I think they can make a difference. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Carter Hart is going to start the game Sunday. So I wouldn't read into – I mean, we know – you mentioned the Flyers' numbers. His numbers are particularly good at home. And, you know, I wouldn't read in – have anybody read into the idea that Brian Elliott is starting again Saturday, meaning he's the number one goalie or any of that stuff that um, we tend to do in this town. I think it more has to do with Carter starting in front of those fans and his track record of being really good in front of those fans. So – um I don't think there is uh, any coincidence there. And I do think it'll make a difference. I really do. Yeah, I think Carter Hart, that's a great point. Uh, Carter Hart starting Sunday, Brian Elliott on Saturday in Pittsburgh. I think that was, there was a science behind that. I think the Flyers wanted Hart at home where he's really good. And I think they wanted to do that for the fans too. Fans, welcome back. First time in a year. Here's your 22-year-old franchise goalie. Cheer him on, have fun. Um, I think there was definitely meaning behind that, obviously, uh, for the Flyers deciding to go with Elliott Saturday. Hart on Sunday, but it will be fun. It will be fun. Fans, we hope you enjoy. Uh, you deserve this moment. Uh, I know the Flyers will enjoy your presence. Uh, I know we will, and uh, we hope you enjoy the game. But Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much, as always. Great chatting with you. Cannot wait to see you on pre- and post-game live. Joe Fordyce, thank you, as always. Cannot wait to watch your shows pre- and post-game live over the weekend. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer, and also a special thank you to Phil Laws for taking time out of his busy schedule to chat with us about all the safety protocols at the Wells Fargo Center. We hope they have a successful weekend as well. And fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.